Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of The Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein, and this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Go there, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's right, 100%. So go check them out. All right, so free agency, at least the first major wave of it, has come and gone. The Lions have brought in a bunch of new defensive pieces by trade and signing. They sent their best defensive player, Darius Slay, to Philadelphia, and they also added a couple of players on offense, too. If you've been listening at all this week, you've heard a bunch of podcasts where we've covered a lot of those players, so I encourage you to go back and listen to some of those from last week. And as we go here, we'll hit on some of those players more in future podcasts. But this podcast seemed like a good time to do a pod pack featuring all of your questions, of which there were a decent amount. And since we're out of the craziness of free agency, we're going back to our normal schedule as well of Mondays and Thursdays with this podcast. Hopefully we picked up some new listeners over the last week. Welcome. Thank you for coming. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or Google or Overcast. And thanks again for joining us as we kind of continue to grow this thing. And let me know on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram who you might like to hear from in the future or feel free to drop them in the comments under the podcast as well. Now... On to all of your questions. We start with Ice Cold Matty Light at Coach Matty P on Twitter, who asks, How do you think the Lions are going to address the pass rush? How would you? Well, Ice Cold, I think they did somewhat of addressing it with their moves at defensive tackle, as they're hoping both Danny Shelton and Nick Williams can provide more of an interior pass rush presence than they've had in the past, particularly from Nick Williams, who had six sacks last year. And they're banking on the healthy return of Deshaun Hand, who, as a rookie, really gave them a good interior pass rush presence as well. And I don't think they're done in that spot either, whether it's another free agent signing or a draft pick or two. I anticipate more additions to the interior of the defensive line and the defensive line in general. Jamie Collins, as far as a pass rush goes, should also assist, especially if he's used more of an edge way, kind of like Devon Kennard was as a jack, or if that's split between Collins and Jared Davis. Both of those players can get after the passer as well, plus, again, potentially a draft pick there. But they still need more. That could come, as we were talking about, with a veteran second wave signing. Good depth and some starters are found there every single year. 
But the Lions are going to address pass rush in the draft somewhere. Obviously, if Chase Young falls to them, that's an easy, no-brainer answer that would happen at number three. But on day two, there will be options. And we've discussed Josh Uche from Michigan often on this podcast. He's a player who, to me, would make a lot of sense. The Lions worked with him at the Senior Bowl. And he offers, frankly, I think a lot of similar things to maybe what Jamie Collins is able to do. And he'd just be younger, so Collins could theoretically mentor him over the next couple of years as well. But the draft is where I think you really can expect this to happen. I really, really do. Now it's just on Bob Quinn and his staff to get it right. Alex Bickle, Alex Bickle 16, asks, The return for Darius Slay seems low. Is it because he torpedoed his trade value by making it clear he wanted out? And what effect might his comments have on players who are new through free agency or the draft? So there's a lot to unpack here. Alex, uh, no, I don't think Darius Slay torpedoed his trade value by making clear he wanted out. That's been known for a while because it wasn't like this was a Le'Veon Bell situation where Slay would have sat out the season if he was on the Lions. I never got that feeling from Slay at all in all of our conversations about it from when he came on the podcast in February to when he talked about it last season, even when I talked with him after he was traded earlier this week. I never got that sense. For him, it was all about business. Go be there for his teammates. He loved his teammates. He loved pushing Kenny Galladay and Matthew Stafford specifically to try to make them better. And I never got the sense he would actually sit out the year. So I don't think he torpedoed trade value in that way. Basically, this was about Darius Slay wanting a fresh start because the relationship between he and Matt Patricia was not good anymore and had really never been good, although my understanding has been that it had gotten a little bit better toward the end. And also he wanted out because the Lions weren't going to pay him what Philadelphia ended up paying him. And those two things combined made it pretty reasonable that they were going to trade him, even though, again, I wouldn't have traded him. I would have kept him for another year because I don't believe in getting rid of your good players. But that's, that's just me. The Lions also made it clear that they were fine moving on from him. Don't forget that, because otherwise Bob Quinn wouldn't have said they were looking at trade options for him at the Combine. And I think if the Lions didn't get something they felt really comfortable enough with, they wouldn't have traded Slay, had him play out his contract, and then probably let him walk or make decisions at that point. Because don't forget, a regime change, too, if that happened, could have changed everything. Say the Lions aren't good this year and there is a regime change but they wanted to keep Darius Slay well then maybe Darius Slay would have stayed so you just don't know there were too many what ifs I think down the road to go that route but if you're looking for why the offer was what it was considering that the team that he went to in this case Philly or anyone that was negotiating with them was going to have to give Darius Slay a new deal that hurts the compensation going to the team trading him if he, if he had been in a Quandre Diggs situation with multiple years left on his contract, the Lions might have been able to get more. There's no doubt about that. Also, Quandre Diggs is a little bit younger. And there's also the reality that he's going to be 30, meaning Slay. So that does knock down some of his value as well. So I don't believe he torpedoed anything other than maybe how a certain segment of the Lions fan base views him. But that part of the fan base, in my opinion, was probably going to find something to criticize him about 
on the way out the door anyway. Yes, he was vocal toward the end and after he left, but he had a bad experience in the workplace. That's what this was. He had a boss he had personal disagreements with. Many of us have had that and seen that throughout the course of our careers. His just happened to be more public. He made it clear over and over again how he feels about the city of Detroit and the fans of the Lions, even if the divorce from the team itself wasn't the prettiest. We'll be back right after this with more of your questions. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, and that is Bet Online. Or maybe even let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. Open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get that 100% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, and we'll continue with a question from Les White, who's at IconSilk713, who says, with more mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, is Patricia's defense featuring power over speed and mobility becoming somewhat obsolete, or at least behind the curve in today's game? Les, I can totally understand why you would think that, and honestly, it's a really good question. I'm not sure if we have enough data, at least when it comes to Patricia's defense, to really back that up yet. For instance... Patrick Mahomes can run, and the Lions did a good job containing him a year ago, holding him to under 60 yards. They held Kyler Murray last year to 13 rushing yards. Aaron Rodgers had 11 rushing yards total in two games. Mitchell Trubisky, while he wasn't asked to run much last year, still ran for under 20 rushing yards combined in their two games. Dak Prescott had only 18 rushing yards last year. So I don't think there's too much of an issue with mobile quarterbacks. The biggest issue to me was the lack of pressure on said quarterbacks. Now, we'll see what happens if pressure comes and then quarterbacks are able to skirt away from defensive linemen easier and how the linebackers handle that. But right now, to me, it's not a behind-the-curve thing yet. It's a the-defense-just-wasn't-very-good-last-year thing. Nate Simons who's at what Simon says, asks, how different is this defense going to look? Do you think they're getting better than they were last year? Nate, well, schematically, I expect it to look the same. Maybe a little more positional versatility leading to a wider variety of looks, but this is still Matt Patricia's defense, and the Lions are clearly going all in on that vision of the defense considering the moves they've made. Signing Danny Shelton and Jamie Collins, trading for Deron Harmon, all of them former Patriots. They all know what they are getting into, both culturally and how they are likely to be used within the scheme. So I expect it to look largely similar, but maybe with a few more wrinkles added in, perhaps specifically at linebacker, where Collins can just be such a versatile piece to be used. Jeremy Fredericks, who's at FredericksJK, asks, Postgame jersey exchanging has come up some this week, and obviously Patricia is not a fan of it. Do you think that players would still do it if cameras weren't on them and it wasn't like an Instagram moment? Jeremy, it's a fair question, and here's what I can tell you. 
Jersey swapping's been going on for years. I wrote about it a half decade ago when Calvin Johnson would occasionally do it, and Glover O'Quinn and Darius Slay had pretty large collections, as did other players. So yeah, I still think players would do it because they were, even before it became a thing, and it became a thing that gets attention every week, which is what it is now, almost to the point where it's cliché. Was it a little bit more rare then? Yeah, potentially, since players are paying for those jerseys as well. I don't think a lot of fans realize that, that that comes out of their own pocket when they do this. It's not like it's a goodness of the team's heart type of thing. And most players, at least the ones who do it often, will often give the equipment staff a heads up. It might be happening if they know in advance. They can't always know, but if they do, they really try to do that, or they set them up with a second jersey that's already signed that they can just give to them after the game. The equipment staffs are willing to work with players on that, at least in my experience throughout the league. It just makes the equipment staff's job much easier, helps them make sure they have another one ready to go, which is also key because otherwise they're left scrambling. I can understand why coaches wouldn't necessarily like it, especially after a loss, but I'm also very much in the camp of it doesn't really matter all that much. While there's different purposes for it and there's different things that happen after a game on the field, you also see players embrace one another after games and they take photographs together and they chat on the field together and sometimes they even pray together on the field. You see prayer circles after almost every NFL game. Remember, some of these players, especially when it's AFC-NFC games, might only face each other once in their careers. So let's just use, and I don't. this could happen actually this coming year, A.J. Moore and C.J. Moore. They are twin brothers. A.J. Moore is on Houston. C.J. Moore is on Detroit. Are you telling me they might not exchange jerseys after the game, take a photograph? Because who knows if that could ever happen. That's a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So why not let them do that? Same thing with other players, especially in the AFC and NFC, that hardly ever see each other. Plus, as we all know, this game is so finite. And you just never know when your last season is going to be in the NFL. So you take advantage of that. You embrace that. And you cherish those moments. So again, I think this isn't a surprise, but I don't see the jersey swap as anything to get all concerned over. But it is clear that Matt Patricia is not a fan. John Don, who's at King John Doe, asks, do you think that the Lions will bring in any more linebackers in free agency or the draft? Same question for running back depth. Yeah, I think they will bring in more players at linebacker. I think they'll draft at least one who's an edge rusher and maybe even an inside linebacker as well, who I really couldn't tell you at this point. I still think it's a little bit too early for that. We've still got a little bit of a long way to go a month out and fewer clues than normal because of the cancellations of pro days, workouts, and top 30 visits. Plus, the Lions, as transparent as sometimes they are, that's usually only with the first round. After that, it can get a little bit tricky. At running back, it's possible they still sign a veteran. I think there are a lot of good players out there. But if I were the Lions, I would lean into the draft and grab a back there. It's a pretty good versatile class, and you're not looking for a surefire starter at this point because you have guys like Kerryon Johnson, Bo Scarborough, and Ty Johnson. So you want somebody who complements that group and can be more of a run back, running back by committee group. If the right option becomes available in free agency... I think you bring them in. Otherwise, 
take a rookie and make that rookie or two rookies compete. We've seen what ha- has happened the last couple of years when they've gone the veteran route. C.J. Anderson lasted about a month. LeGarrette Blunt they had on the team the whole year, but he got phased out toward the end of the season. So I don't always think going the vet route makes the most sense when you're looking at a running back. Jacob I. Vasquez, who's at lots of scotch, asks, what is the likelihood we see Jerry Davis transition to a more situational pass rusher at linebacker? You know, Jacob, it's a really interesting question, and we haven't heard from Jamie Collins yet, obviously haven't heard from Matt Patricia or Bob Quinn yet to see what they say about Jerry Davis's future or Collins about his role, but a move for that, for Davis in that respect could make sense. Of all the things he's been asked to do in his first three years with the Lions, to me, the most effective thing he's done has been rushing the passer on a short delay and getting into the backfield. I think he's very instinctual there. So if he switched spots, he might be a little bit undersized, but I also think it fits his skill set incredibly well. Also, again, one of Matt Patricia's favorite things is position versatility, and this would give him another place that he could play him. They love so much of what Jared Davis is able to do off of the field and what he means from a leadership standpoint and a heart standpoint, but they need to find a good role for him on the field. That the Lions added Collins, who is incredibly versatile, and they believe in Jelani Tavai and his future, makes me think they do have a specific plan for Davis. To me, that should include more pass rush. But we'll see what happens. The draft could play a role here, too, depending on what they do early on. James, who is at JamesG965, asks, We made a lot of changes, but do you think the team improved in free agency? (sighs) Uh, I I don't know, James. Uh, I think they definitely had a clear free agency plan and stuck to it. So that's a win for the Lions. But I have my concerns. Nick Williams, to me, is a big risk. He reminds me a lot of George Johnson, a former Lions defensive end who had an out-of-nowhere surge and then deviated way back to the mean of his career when he left Detroit after one season. Williams seems sincere, but... That's one to watch for me. I think he has more confidence than he's had at any point, and he finally got an opportunity, which I think helped him in Chicago. And he'll certainly have an opportunity in Detroit. But before this past season, he had never had a quarterback sack in his career. That, to me, raises a lot of concerns. I think the Lions are banking a lot on Hal Vitae being a really good tackle, which I'm not sure we truly know yet. There's some base of evidence from his time in Philadelphia, but I do have my concerns there. It could end up being a wash from from Rick, Rick Wagner, and at that point, okay, then I think that that's a win if that's what you were going for because he's younger and you can work with him a little bit more. I think Jamie Collins is an upgrade as long as he still has something left at age 30 and 31. And Danny Shelton makes a bunch of sense to me as an ascending player. He was probably the signing I thought was the best for Detroit. Desmond Trufant's going to be a downgrade from Darius Slay, and that's not a knock on Desmond Trufant. The question is just how much. Right now, I have as many questions about Detroit at corner as I do about its pass rush, which tells you what I think about the team's cornerback situation at this moment. I think there's some potential there, but I'm not totally sold on anything, and I think they're hoping on guys either staying at the level they are or taking big leaps that we just don't know if they're going to come, like from, say, Amani Awarie. Detroit really needs to hope Desmond, Desmond Trufant can still be a high-end corner, because if he isn't, 
and Slay has another Pro Bowl caliber year in Philly, that will look really bad for the Lions. Like, really bad, whether that's fair or not. Alec Capel, who's at Capel Show 23, asks, do we need to add another corner in free agency with the cap space left over from the Slay trade? Yeah, I think the Lions will add another corner, probably in the mid-range cost-wise, to compete with Amani Awarie and a potential draft pick, whether that's Jeffrey Akuda or someone else. I don't think they'll pay Logan Ryan, but Logan Ryan, as of Sunday at noon, is still out there. And there's also Ronald Darby, who I believe is still out there. And Corey Undlin knows him pretty well from his time in Philly. We haven't really seen a Corey Undlin-influenced signing yet, at least to my knowledge. Maybe he had some say in the Vitae signing, but that that's on offense, not on defense. But that's going to be something to watch, too. I imagine he gets at least one player that he really wants. There will be other veteran options. There's a lot of veteran options still out on the board, and I imagine the Lions will grab one of them or two of them. I think it took them, what, a week or so to resign Rashawn Melvin last year, who ended up being a starter for them. I think there'll be more moves this coming week. It would not surprise me if the Lions end up signing another veteran corner. Just at this point, you couldn't predict who that would be. A name that could be one to watch, at least to me, because I haven't seen him sign anywhere yet, is Prince Amukamara. He's a press man corner. The Lions are obviously familiar with him from his time in Chicago, but who knows how much money he'll want, and that could be the cost balance there too, based off of how much the Lions are willing to spend. But if I'm the Lions, I would at least consider Amukamara because he's the type of corner that you want. I just think it's something to watch. King John, who's at Jonathan Mold underscore Mulder, he asks, do you think Bob Quinn knows what he's doing or is he playing some version of fantasy football and acquiring as many Patriots as possible? King John, I do think Bob Quinn has a plan that he's sticking to. I don't think anyone can accuse him of not having a plan. It just may not be a plan that you agree with. Is part of that plan perhaps bringing in as many Patriots as possible? Potentially. But notice most of them are on defense where they know the scheme fit. They know Patricia's personality. They know where they'll fit. And they just have a larger understanding. After seeing most of the contracts, I don't think he's wildly overpaid anywhere either. So he has a plan. He's sticking to it. Do I think it's one that'll work? That's tough to say at this point. But you can listen to what I thought about some of the free agents to give you an idea of what I think. I'm just not going to put it completely out there at this point because I think they still have work left to do. And I still think there's more plan to go. Matt, no longer in Beantown, who's at Matt Yvonne, asks, Pro Football Focus gave Slay a rather lackluster grade in 2019 in comparison to his past few seasons. Did his play really drop off that precipitously? And if so, was it a result of Patricia and staff asking him to do something different in 2019 in comparison to 2018? No, I don't think it did drop off that much. Did Slay have the best year of his career last year? No, he didn't. Was he down a little bit? Yeah. But to me, there were multiple factors in there. He did play with a bum hamstring for part of the season. And those injuries tend to linger. Even if you go out and play still and go from being out with an injury to just playing hurt. And oftentimes players won't even say that they're playing that hurt. Then there's what he had to do, which was largely play man defense on an opponent's top receiver without the benefit of much, much pass rush. 
when a receiver has a long crosser, Slay, or really any corner, would have been in big trouble without any pass pressure, which happened time and time again in 2019. So that played a part into some of the struggles he had last year. Yeah, I don't think he's the cornerback he maybe was when he was an all-pro a couple of years ago, but I don't think he's a bad corner now. I still think he's a top 10 corner in the NFL, and I think that he's going to probably be there for another year or two. And I felt like that, whether he was with the Lions or not, that's just kind of where I think he is at this point. He still had critical turnovers last year, like picking off Phillip Rivers to seal a win on a day where Keenan Allen had his way with Slay. So he's still capable of creating big plays. But on a 3-12-1 team, no one is going to look particularly good. At least for the Lions last year, to me, Kenny Galladay and Frank Ragnell were the two exceptions there. And Matthew Stafford, but I don't put the 3-12-1 record on Stafford because they were at least hanging around when... He was around. But I didn't. I just didn't think Slay had that big of a drop-off like P, Pro Football Focus said. Remember, Pro Football Focus is one metric to use. It's not the only metric to use. Marty Benatow, who's at Marty Benatow, asks, Among the acquisitions, who are the most likely busts and breakouts in your view? Who among them could be a team captain? That's a good question, Marty, and I really like the Danny Shelton signing, as I was talking about earlier. Other than DJ Reader, he was the interior line who, line, interior lineman who I thought made the most sense for the Lions in, in this free agency class. Matt Patricia is going to know how to use him, and he's just a consistent player to me. Do I think he becomes a perennial pro bowler? No, probably not. But do I think he ends up being very valuable for Detroit? I do. I've expressed my concerns about Nick Williams earlier in the show, and I hold them here. I just got real worried about a guy who came out of nowhere late in his career to have a good year. It's not like he was in his third year and really ascended. We've seen that time and again. Or his second year and really ascended. Or he got hurt and came back. This was just an out-of-nowhere situation. Maybe something finally clicks for him, and maybe he goes on to have three or four really, really productive years. But there could also be a huge regression to the mean. I have concerns about Vitae as a full-time starter as well, but he's younger and that really remains to be seen. As far as a captain from a leadership perspective, Deron Harmon strikes me as that type of person. Everyone I've spoken to about him says he's a great guy. Some even using capital letters in a text message. He's a guy Patricia wanted. He understands the scheme. He's a good player. It would not shock me if he ends up being a first-year captain, similar to how Devon Kennard was when Kennard was a captain after signing in 2018. Remember, they've done a lot of work in that secondary to bring in new players, so there's not necessarily an obvious captain from that group other than maybe Tracy Walker. Plus, Harmon has a chance to be a pretty good player, and I think he can mentor Walker as well. I think that could be a really good pairing for the Lions this year. And lastly, Peter Mayer, who's at Mayor Peter 47 asks, would you justify drafting Jeffrey Okuda, even if Chase Young is still there, mainly because of the lack of cornerback quality depth in later rounds? I've heard the pass rush depth is much better in this class. No, 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 sure, nope, sure would not. I would not do that. If Chase Young is there, the Lions should select Chase Young. Period. End of sentence. End of conversation. To me, that would be the easiest pick the Lions can make in the draft. He's a potential generational talent. 
Yes, I think Jeffrey Okuda has that potential as well. I really do. Uh, and so does Isaiah Simmons. I think at the end, I think the Lions would be and should be happy with any of those three players. But to me, Young is at a different level, and pass rushers are the most important things to have on the defense. Like If you have a good pass rusher, it changes everything. If Chase Young is there and the Lions pass on him, it would shock me at this point. Absolutely shock me. Beyond Young, if I'm the Lions, I'm looking very hard at Okuda and Simmons, along with Derek Brown and maybe Javon Kinlaw. Again, where it, depending on where they're pick, picking, whether it's at three or five or six or seven, that to me is where the Lions will end up being a month from now. One of those players. But if Chase Young is there, the Lions should take Chase Young. No one's told me that they will. Want to make that perfectly clear? This is my opinion, my speculation. But if Chase Young somehow is there, I think the Lions should take Chase Young. Thanks, as always, to my producer, David Woodley, as well as Regents Field and Bet Online for hosting this podcast. You can check me out on ESPN.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. Make sure to give this podcast a subscription and a five star review. Be safe. Thanks for listening, and please wash your hands and stay inside as much as you can. We'll chat with you again on Thursday.